I'm George Enger. I am a senior at Governor Livingston. I'll be graduating this week, and I will be attending Syracuse University in the fall. Um, if you would just bow your heads with me for a moment. Dear Lord, I pray that my words be quickly forgotten, but your message remains everlasting in our hearts. Thank you. All right, um, this might be, seem a little unorthodox, but I was actually wondering if I could get a volunteer from the congregation. All right, you would, there you go. You don't have a very exciting job today. I just wanted to, um, can you just read the underlined passage there? <clears throat> All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things, that, the things promised. They only saw, they saw, only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Thank you. That's, Thank that's you. all I, that's all I need. <laughs> all right. Well, when I was, I, I was supposed to preach about work of faith today. And I was thinking about work of faith. And I, I realized that every time that I usually hear uh, a sermon on faith, the first thing we jump to is uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's a great verse, yes, but I think a lot of times we forget to read past that. Um, and that really gets into what a work of faith is. Because if you read past that, I'm not going to read you the whole thing. If I went through the whole chapter, I mean, we'd be here for a long time. But um, what uh, Greg just read there was, uh, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And uh, that's referring to a number of people earlier in the passage uh, included, it says, uh, by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, Enoch was taken from his life. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham, it goes on and on. By faith, all these people, what they did. And um, I think that's a very important part of what faith is. Very often, we remember that faith is believing in something that we don't necessarily see. Believing that God is there. But an important part of faith is what we do upon that belief. It's not, it's not just saying, oh yeah, I believe God's there. I believe that God's going to provide. It's about remembering that we actually have a job in faith too. Um, and that's very important because we can't just say, oh, I believe in God. We have to actually work for him. Um, and I was glad I actually got one volunteer. Uh, I, <laughs> I wasn't sure if anybody would. But um, just think about how unwilling we tend to be to volunteer. I mean, Greg had no idea what I was calling him up here for. Um, none of you did. Uh, obviously, probably wasn't anything too bad. We are in a church after all. <laughs> but the point is... Uh, Lots of times we get calls from God, and he's not going to say, oh, this is, this is where you start, this is where you end, like, this is your job. Like, I'm, I'm going to give you a little list, a uh, checklist, this is what you got to do for me, okay? That, that's, not, that's not what's going to happen. A lot of times we just get calls from God, and we can choose to answer those calls, or we can choose not to. And... um. We really don't necessarily see what that end's going to be. All these people in Hebrews 11, 
they were, they were told of God's promises, and they actually lived to the end of their lives, a lot of them not seeing what God had promised. Uh, well, they saw it from a distance, as the verse says, but they never actually, like, necessarily experienced it. But they had faith in God's plan because they knew that his plan was better than any they could have for themselves. Um, I just want to tell you about a, a story from a, a book that I read. Uh, it's, it was written by a man named Brother Yoon. He uh, leads, uh, or was leading churches in China and uh, has been an outlaw there for quite some time. He actually returned to the country quite recently and was immediately imprisoned. Um, but anyway, the story I, I want to tell you is uh, just a short little one where he was in prison for— this is maybe the third time he went to prison, actually. And one day he was actually just praying to God, and then he felt God tell him, you're going to fast today. He wasn't really sure why. He, just, he was just told, you're going to fast today. And then he was told, you're going to fast the next day, and you're going to keep on fasting until I tell you that your work here is done. So Brother Yoon fasted and fasted, and one day he was just told, you're going to eat today. He had no clue what, what that was meant for. I mean, he's in a prison. Why is he going to fast? Doesn't God want him to survive, to go do his work? Well, believe it or not, he did a lot of God's work just by fasting. He didn't even talk to people during his fast because he was so weakened. But as a result, a number of men in that prison who actually had been criminals of things much worse than leading an illegal church service— um, ended up coming to God because they witnessed this man's faith in prison. And um, it turns out that he wasn't told to eat for another 74 days after he was told not to eat. You can choose to believe that or you can choose not to, but um, as he actually says in the book, what is impossible with men is possible with God from Luke 18 uh, verse 27. So whatever it is, whether you're afraid that what God's going to tell you is going to be too hard for you, or um, whether you're afraid it's going to inconvenience you, God has a plan for you. And what is impossible with men is possible with God. So anything he gives you, he's going to give you the power and the strength to do that. He wants to use you. Um, And I don't necessarily expect you to go home today and start fasting for the next couple months. But honestly, you have no clue where that call on your life is going to end up. Um, could be it could be at work, could be at the grocery store. You you really never know. But God calls on us and He tugs on us our heart, and it's up to us to answer that call. Um, so I just want to leave you with a challenge from Psalm one forty three verse ten, which reads, "Teach me to do Your will, for You are my God. May Your good Spirit lead me on level ground." It sounds pretty simple, but that's a pretty bold statement to make. Teach me to do your will. God's will can be magnificent. Uh, it can be fasting for 74 days. It can be parting the waters. I, I mean, you really don't know what God's going to ha- have to do in your life. And until you ask him to teach, teach you to do, do his will, you're not going to actually get a chance to experience that. So uh, pray that today. If you feel that God has called you to do so, to teach you to do his will. You're not going to be able to do magnificent things on your own, but God can use you. And uh, if you ask him to, he will. Thank you very much.
Good morning. Uh, my name is Kevin Sonyak, and I'm a senior at New Providence High School this year, and I'll be graduating on Friday. I will be attending Penn State University next year. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll be able to follow up George that well, because, you know, it's a great speech he had. But uh, I'm talking about the labor of love today that uh, Paul was talking about on his letter to the church at Thessalonica. And uh, I looked up the definition of love, and the one that I found was, um, it's the most spectacular, indescribable, deep euphoric feeling for somebody. And Jesus Christ just, like, emphasizes this more than anybody, like, that has ever walked the earth or anybody that you can ever expect. And um, the definition that I came across for labor is um, the physical or mental work, especially of a hard or fatiguing kind or toil. And when you combine these two, it's like the physical and mental um, aspects of, like, making love a commitment to keep um, keep your faith and keep loving Jesus Christ. And um, you have to keep it a commitment because it isn't always easy to love somebody, especially when you cannot always see them. And in uh, Peter chapter 1, verses 8 through 9, it says, though you, have, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And um, that the continued labor of love, um, it's going to be hard to keep your faith and be able to understand, like, everything that's going on. And you're not going to be able to always stay straight on your path because sins will be able to take over. But Jesus Christ will be there to help pick you up, and he'll set you back on your straight path. And um, one quote that I found from Sophocles was, One word frees us from all the weight and pain of life, and this word is love. And I just want to restate that. And love is a powerful word. It's Sometimes it's taken for granted today. People use it sometimes too often. But when you talk about love in Jesus Christ, you're never wrong. You know that he was always there. He loved he loves everybody just the same. Even people that pinned him up on the cross and um, his murderers, he loved them just as he loves us. And people that are people that have love in him will be able to express agape, which is another word that I found is interesting. And it's such a powerful word because it's um, it stands for unconditional love. And unconditional love is like even though you, they may have sinned or they may have um, problems or not necessarily problems, but they may not be perfect, but you forget all of this and you love them no matter what. And Mike was talking to us about it this morning and he said that to be able to express unconditional love, you should be able to go up to a person, forget everything that they've ever done, sinned or any things that they've committed against you and just be able to tell them, look them straight in the eyes and say, I love you, period. And that's a great expression. And then Jesus Christ was able to do this. And um, his love is greater. And in John f- verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 13, it states, Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down for his life for his friends. And he put himself up on that cross to save us and wash away all our sins because he knew that we would not be able to do that. He was stronger than all of us, and he loved everyone more than everyone else did. So he was able to go up on that cross and just wash away all our sins and take the pain from everybody else. Um, Following and living a life for Jesus Christ will lead to a life filled with love because without Jesus Christ, you will not be able to love. He was in uh, 1 John 4, verse 19. It says, We love because he first loved us. 
So without him first loving us, we were not able to love other people. So his love pours through us, and um, uh, this speaks a great deal of power of the love that Jesus Christ has, because to cause everyone else to begin to love each other is by one man is so indescribable that like you cannot understand how much um, love that there is in the air from Jesus. And um, one uh, story that I have is we went to, me and my salt group went to East Jersey State Prison a few weeks ago. And um, we went with like a little worship group and we met this pastor there who's been working there for I think, I think he said like a little over a year. And when we talked to him, we first had to stay in like this one room, like holding area while everyone went to the uh, sanctuary to worship. And he was talking to us about how um, there's like the main guy from the Crips and the Bloods gangs are in the prison. And uh, a few weeks before we got there, um, one of the head, like the head person of the entire gang just committed his life to Jesus Christ. And this guy was just going insane, and this was his life, and he was one of the most genuine Christians that I think I've ever met. To be able to go to a prison like that and understand that these people have committed sin and that they are not necessarily worse than us, they just haven't been straight in their past, and he wants to correct them, and he expresses his love so much, and after the service, um, people were constantly going up to him asking for them to pray or for him to pray for them and he was constantly like oh yeah sure like no problem I would love to pray for you and he constantly used the word love and um I don't know how else to explain it but this guy was an example that I want everyone else to be able to follow he was a nice man and he's been like he's only been working there for a year and He knows everybody. He knows their backgrounds. He's gotten to know everybody. And I think he's a a great image of Jesus Christ because he, since he is such a great, he's such a good follower for, uh, in Jesus Christ. And to be able to express unconditional love in reality today, you need to be able to um, understand what uh, um, your love is for Jesus Christ. And you have to be able to love him to be able to love others. So, because he was such a good follower in Jesus Christ, he was able to express this unconditional love for all these people in the jail and all these inmates who had messed up once in their life and who want to write their paths. So, um, that's that what I want to say. But as the Beatles always said or sang, all you need is love. So I ask you today, do you feel the love? Father's Day to all you dads out there. I'm Jen Brooks, and I'm graduating from Governor Livingston on Tuesday, and I'm going to George Washington University next year down in D.C. Um, Today I'm here to talk to you about hope. And when I got the word hope, I was like a little worried because there's faith, love, and hope, and I really wanted either faith or love because (laughs) those are the really, they're, they're good verses in the Bible that you can use, but I got stuck with hope. And I, I kind of appreciate it a lot more now. But um, to myself, I split hope up into three different categories. I said there were little, like, petty hopes, such as I hope I get a camera for my graduation present, or um, I hope my mom lets me go to that party next week. 
And those are hopes that are mostly, they're usually pretty selfish, and it's not so much a hope as a wish. And that's not really what hope is supposed to be, like according to the Bible. Um, there are also selfless hopes, which are something like, I hope my aunt gets better, or I hope he can find a job to support his family. And those are noble hopes, and um, they're great to have, but at the same time, they're not as strong as hopes that are founded through God and through the love of Jesus Christ. And um, I use the verse Romans 5, 2-5, and that says, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts and the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. And I thought that was a really good verse, and I wish I had a little graphic or a flowchart or something that says, sufferings, perseverance, character, hope. And when I read this verse, I thought to myself, like, what can I tie this into? And then I realized, like, the ultimate case of suffering is Job. And I, I flipped back to Job, which I haven't, I've, I've, haven't done it really since Sunday school. But then I flipped back, and in case you don't know, Job lost his oxen, his camels, his sheep, his servants, his sons and daughters, and even his own health. He, he had sores all over his body. And um, at the worst part of his life, he said, um, sorry, in Job 6.11, he said, What strength do I have that I should still hope? What prospects that I should be patient? And Job's in the Old Testament, as you know, so it's before um, Jesus Christ coming. And that really struck me because he, doesn't, he says, What strength do I have? Why should I still hope? Why should I still be patient? He, everything has been taken from him, and Job still, he, know, he knows there's no reason he could be hoping, but he still believes in God. And um, now, after, after Jesus Christ coming to earth and everything, we have the ability to hope. We can hope through God. Like, Jesus Christ came for us, and now we can set our hopes higher. Instead of just being selfless, they can be hopes founded through God. We can, um, we hope for a better life in the future. We can hope for, you know, everyone going to heaven that we know. And these hopes turn into prayers. And you could pray for yourself or you can pray for someone else, but really a prayer, an intercessory prayer especially, is just a hope for someone else or yourself. So um, when you hear the prayers in church, Look at them as hopes, and you're hoping to bless someone else. You're hoping to bring joy or peace or comfort upon someone else. And um, I just want to challenge everyone today to really set their hopes higher. Get above the petty hopes and even the selfless hopes, because the only hopes you can really succeed in are hopes that are founded through God, because through God, everything is possible. Happy Father's Day. Um, my name is Grace Holzer. I'm going to be graduating from Chatham High School on Tuesday, and I will be attending Northeastern in the fall. 
in my experiences as a senior intern, um, I was able to learn quite a bit about the commitment it takes to run a church and to be able to participate in a church. Um, I really didn't think that I was going to be an intern this year. Um, it was only my second year of SALT. I had never been involved in any of the youth activities as a young kid, and it was just really kind of um, an experience I had no idea what to expect. Um, but in the June of my junior year, I kind of realized that it was really important for me to take part in it, and um, God really blessed it. I had very little motivation at the beginning of my senior year to add extra things to my schedule, but um, I saw that as other people were participating, that it was a really good thing to do. Um, so today I'm here to talk about commitment and conviction, and when Mike gave me that word, I was just like, okay, that's fine. Um, I didn't really know what it meant, so I'll ask friends, and they were like, isn't that what happens when you go to jail? I was like, I don't, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> so I looked it up, and what it means is that um, you're, you have an unshakable belief in something without need for proof or evidence. And that's a really great way to look at um, how we live our lives for Christ. Sometimes you really, you don't see any proof that he's even there with you. Um, I've had so many experiences where I'm just like in a really dark place and I have no idea where he is. And when he doesn't show up, what pushes us to know that he's still there? And clearly, um, I think the greatest way to find him is through both re really digging into the scriptures and by surrounding yourselves with people who are strong in him. There are two verses that were really able to stick out to me during this whole process. Also, Mike helped me pick them out. Um, <laughs> one of the passages is out of Joshua 1.6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. God wants us to live in faith in what he is doing in our lives. He wants us to trust that he's going to lead us on a path that's safe and that's not necessarily always safe, but that's going to um, help others come to him. Um, and he will bless us for it in the end. The second verse I found um, was Deuteronomy 31.6. It states, be strong and courageous. Again, say it again. Uh, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. When I read this, it almost felt like God was like, Grace, you need to read this. And I was like, okay. And um, when he mentions them, he says, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. It's like I was starting to think about who is them for me. And that's maybe my peers or people that I'm kind of nervous about what they think of me. And so... Basically, he's telling me to go and be committed to him and to tell other people that I'm committed to him and to not be afraid of what other people are going to say about it. Of course, that's much easier said than done. Um, in today's society, many people struggle with the type of commitment required for a relationship with Jesus Christ. I think that there are so many temptations around these days, either on TV and the computer and even like the newspaper, and it's just, it's a really tough um, it's really difficult to stay on the straight and narrow. And I think that there are a lot of distractions, at least for me in my life, um, 
that keep my mind from focusing on what he really wants for me. Um, in high school, the thing that has really helped me to stay on that path is seeing either people from this church or seeing other friends who go to other churches witness their friends and be a light to other people. Um, it's awesome to see how God has influenced many lives through these other people's hands. And it's just, it shows that God needs to be a main priority in your life, even in a high school setting. Um, there are the support system I've needed, and they've helped make God that priority. Um, one last verse that I found by myself um, is, and that when I feel weak and want to make maybe poor decisions that I shouldn't, is Matthew 4, verse 10, in which Jesus says directly to Satan, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When I feel that my, when my eyes are maybe not directly on him, I feel that this verse um, really demonstrates where my dedication is towards. Is it, am I thinking about how awesome my relationship with God is, how willing I am to serve him, or am I saying this is a big burden that I don't want to take on? Now, all of this is like really easy to say in front of a church, but to say that there have been no costs to a committed life would, from me, be a lie. I think that um, a lot of my friends, a lot of my peers have been able to do things that maybe in the short run I haven't been willing to, you know, I haven't been allowed to do. Um, looking at it with perspective, though, has really shown me a lot of benefits. Um, it wouldn't be right if on Father's Day I didn't mention something about my dad. Um, he has really helped me to live a committed life along with the rest of my family and my friends. And he said once that maturity is when you endure pain in the short run so that, you can have benefic so that it can be beneficial in the future. I think that that's such a powerful thing to say because it is maturity. To be able to withstand the difficulties in the short run so that you can have a really strong conviction towards Christ is really important. Um, kind of to sum up, the nice thing about a relationship is redemption when I fall very, very short. Uh, God's grace is the best part of my relationship because he, because I mess up so often, and as a busy teenager, I found that there can be days when I struggle to find time to do everything I would like to do, such as reading the Bible and praying and making time for him. Um, I think that keeping a strong commitment to God is there's probably a couple keys, but one that I think is really important is to keep your eyes fixed upon Jesus. If you, to do this is to realize that he's all that matters and that you're putting him before anyone else to keep that commitment going. He'll filter out all the noise in your life and he'll keep you focused if you allow him to. God literally invented commitment, so he has, he's been so committed to us even when we fall short. Throughout my Throughout my life, I have felt his presence through prayer, reading scripture, and surrounding my people with, surrounding myself with people who love me. And I think that um, commitment is so crucial. And in my relationship with God, um, staying committed has blessed me.